for me here, but I, I prefer Daniel. Hint, <laughs> <laughs> hint. So, for those of you who don't know, I, uh, so I recently graduated high school and I'm starting college right now. Um, but in the summer, I went on an internship, a three-month internship at a uh, Christian missions base in Kansas City, Missouri that does 24-7 prayer and worship. So they are a house of prayer like us, but they do it 24-7. And I just would like to share some things and then also encourage you guys. Um, like if they gave me the mic for two hours, I could still keep sharing. There's so much like I received from the Lord there. Um, but something we emphasize here in our spiritual family, I feel like is intimacy with Jesus. And something uh, we've been going through as a spiritual family is uh, the book of the Song of Psalms, the Song of Solomon uh, as a Bible study um, recently. So I would like to share from a, a short passage from there. Chapter 1, the Song of Solomon, verse 2 and 3. So it says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine, because the fragrance of your good ointment, your name is ointment poured forth. Therefore the virgins love you, draw me away. So this is a very powerful passage. And before, like, I knew it, it sounded really beautiful and poetic language, and it's in the Word of God, so it must be applicable. But I just didn't really connect with these couple verses on a heart level. I knew what they meant, but um, I would like to share something from this that maybe shows you guys um, the greater way in which Jesus worked in my heart during uh, these two months that I was gone. Um, to let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth or his word. Like I truly encountered a real sweetness in spending time meditating on the word of God and then clinging to the promises, many promises that, that God makes for us, applicable for every single one of us. There it was such a sweetness to that. Um, your love is better than wine. And something I really felt it was the, the pleasure and the delight of, of receiving his love and then also um, directing it back to him. And, and it's, it's really something I discovered that's nothing like any other, any other thing. It's, it's a landslide, um, just the, the pleasure of, of being in God's presence and being in the word of God and communing with him in prayer. It's like nothing else the world offers. It's really like... So everything else is so fleeting, yeah. but a true relationship with Jesus is so much meaning. And, and, and just verse 3, your name is ointment poured forth. It's something so cool I discovered after I came back is just the name Jesus. Like Jesus. And that, and that, I, that I found that that moved my heart. In such a in such a unique way, but because like his name is lovely to me because I know who he is, because I know his love for me, and and just I would encourage you guys like 
even just being intentional every day to spend time in the Word, like 5, 10, 15 minutes during your lunch break, right when you wake up, before you go to bed. And if you stick to it, like for weeks and months, you will see a dramatic change in your life. And just, I'm so, like, so thankful for the opportunity to have been able to go and to spend an intentional time like cultivating my relationship with Jesus. And it's Jessica. Jessica, you should definitely go next time. <laughs> I told everyone there that Emily and Jessica and I would, would go together for an internship. Yeah. Um, but yeah, praise God. Just encourage you guys. Just keep pursuing Jesus in intentional times, personally, every day. Yeah. Amen. Daniel, I love what, what uh, he shared about just the, sometimes there's stuff that we know up here, but it's not a reality yet in our heart, and that intentionality in the place of prayer and in being in Jesus' word and his presence and, like, talking to him about that is so crucial for, like, getting it deeper, so praise God. Um, well, I am, sorry, Vic, I just jumped up, but I am our speaker today, <laughs> um, I, and I'm excited because we're going to start actually a series on the Sermon on the Mount. Can I, can I say something about Daniel? Yes. Yeah. I read it, but I speak Ask God, would you give us ears to hear you, and just hearts that have good soil 
for your word to fall into, Lord, that we really would have grace to apply this um, and to walk it out. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so the Sermon on the Mount is, some people refer to it as the constitution of the kingdom. And I really like that term because you see in, at the very end of Matthew chapter 4, before Jesus gives this teaching, he's healing all of these people. He's healing paralytics. He's healing like all kinds of diseases. He's casting out demons. And everyone in that region now has their eyes on him and he has their attention. And they're looking for a Messiah, and they're looking like, because they're under the, the reign and the rule of Rome at the time, right? So they want to understand, what is his kingdom going to look like when he comes? Like, what will life with him be like? Um, and he gives them the Sermon on the Mount to show what's important and what's valuable to him. So for us, I want to highlight just three reasons or three benefits, I guess, that we glean and that were promised in Scripture as we apply this in our lives. Um, and just so as a summary, so the Sermon on the Mount starts off with the Beatitudes. How many of you guys are familiar with the Beatitudes? Okay, so it's Blessed are this, blessed are these people, blessed, blessed are you for that, blessed, 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 if X, Y, Z, right? And the word blessed actually means happiness. And so there's a promise that if we walk in these heart postures, we will walk in happiness and in fullness of life. Um, the second thing is within the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus describes how to rightly pursue greatness. Greatness in the eyes of God and greatness in his kingdom. And that's huge. And we're going to touch on that today. Um, because we're all wired to pursue greatness. Yeah. But there's a way to pursue it wrongly, and there's a way to pursue it rightly, and Jesus actually lays it out for us. The last and the final thing, I think one of the, the benefits that we glean as we walk out Sermon on the Mount is we grow in firmness. Or another way of thinking about this is we become unshakable in our faith. And this is from, from days and months and years of practicing what Jesus sets forth here um, because he talks about building our house on the rock so that when storms come, we won't be shaken. All right. So let's look at the first one, happiness. I have a quote here from Mike Bickle um, that I wanted to share. He says, the word blessed means happy. Happy are those who are poor in spirit. Now, the biblical view of happiness is to have a vibrant spirit. The biblical view of happiness isn't based on circumstances being easy and going well. If our spirit is vibrant, our circumstances can be difficult, but we still have a happy spirit. However, if our circumstances are easy and our spirit is dull, we're not happy. I think this is so powerful because we live in one of the wealthiest nations in the world, but we're also like probably some of the most depressed and anxious people on the yeah. face of the planet, yeah. right? Like, how do you explain that? How do you explain having so much blessing and not being able to actually enjoy it? It's because we're not walking in the way that God has set forth. Mm. The things that he has prescribed, hey, I made your heart and I know the way I wired you. And if you want to come alive, like this is how you do it. Yeah. 
greatness. We want to be great. Like, that's not something that most people would admit, but, like, people want to be great. We want to be great at something. Like, Stephen, Stephen probably wants to be a great fighter, right? Like, Stephen doesn't want to be a mediocre fighter. He wants to be a good one, like a really good one, right? Yes, you want to win the prize. And all of us um, are wired for greatness, but sometimes, I think in... Uh, in light of valuing humility, sometimes we can adopt a false humility and be like, oh, I don't really want to be great. I'm, I'm not that good at this. I'm not that good at that. But actually, that's a false version of humility that's really just a manifestation of pride. And so we want to, instead of like, we want to think rightly about greatness because you're going to pursue it one way or another. But the question is, are you going to pursue God's greatness for your life, or are you going to pursue your own? Um, I love uh, so the I love the way that Jesus actually showed this or demonstrated this with James and John, because James and John, two of his disciples, like came to Jesus with a very very bold request, right? It. Like, it would be, like, somebody walking up to the president and being like, hey, like, I think I would really make a good VP. Like, I, you know, I'm just asking, like, I'll leave it to your, you know, your discretion, but I'm telling you, I'm your man. James, like, James and John go up to Jesus and they're like, um, so who's sitting at your right hand in your kingdom? Because, uh, you know, I, I'm just saying, we've been really faithful. I think, we'd, uh, I think we could do it. And Jesus actually, when he responds to them, he doesn't rebuke them. Like, you would think that, like, if, if somebody came up to me with a request like that, I'd be like, excuse you? <laughs> like, that's, a, that's pretty bold. But Jesus doesn't rebuke them for their ask. He doesn't rebuke them for what they're wanting. He challenges the way that they're going to get it. Because you look at this passage, um, you know, it says, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. He said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? or to be baptized with the baptism which I am about to be baptized. And they said to him, we are able. Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him, and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to, serve, to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many." We serve a very good God. Mm -hmm. Like, 
most of the people that will be over you in the course of your life like are there to be served they're not there to serve you your boss like probably unless you have a really awesome christian boss like they're not there to serve you necessarily but jesus like came and he didn't exercise his authority the way that man exercises authority he came and showed his disciples a greater and a better way of humility and I love this because when he's saying in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus actually says of his commandments, he says, therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. We, like, most of you guys are so excellent, like, you pursue what is good and right. Like, if somebody were to give you a list, like, Jessica's getting ready to apply to colleges. Like, if somebody were to give Jessica a list and be like, all right, Jessica, you got to do X, Y, and Z to get into this school that you want. Like, she would jump at it, and she would do it, right? Like, she would fill out all her applications and all her forms, and she'd have all the right things on her resume, so to speak. Jesus kind of lays out step by step for us in Sermon on the Mount, like, hey, if you want to be considered great in my kingdom, this is what greatness looks like. It looks like humility. It looks like laying down your life. It looks like serving others. And so I just want to throw that out there now because as we, in the coming weeks and months, break this apart passage by passage, it's something that's so important for us to realize, like, hey, if I want to get an A, so to speak, on this <laughs> test of my life, like, this is what I need to do well in. Amen. Like, so we want, we really, really want to pay attention and heed his word in this regard. Amen. Okay. Oops. Too far. Um, something that I really want to point out, and I'm, I'm kind of jumping around because a lot of what I'm pulling from today is from the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, but Jesus, towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he's kind of summing everything up. And one of the things he says to his disciples is he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who do what my Father in heaven wants. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we expel demons in your name? Didn't we perform many miracles in your name? Then I will tell them to their faces, I never knew you get away from me, you workers of lawlessness. Wow. That passage terrifies me. If it doesn't terrify me, <laughs> it probably should. Like, I think that passage is super scary. Okay? Because most of us, like, if I saw, like, let's say Isaac gets up one day, and Isaac just, like, walks into the hospital and goes to the morgue and starts raising all of the dead. Like, I would look at Isaac like, oh, my gosh, who is this guy? He's, like, way more spiritual than me. Yeah. Right? And our tendency, because our culture is so influenced by celebrities, mm. our tendency as Christians even sometimes is to look at the people on the podium or with the gifting and think, oh, they're successful. Like, they're the, that's the, I used to, when I was a baby Christian, I truly thought that, like, I really believed that whoever had the strongest gifting or anointing or was the best preacher or teacher or was doing the most miracles, I was like, all right, they, they got it. Yeah. Like, they're the strongest Christian. And that's actually not necessarily correct right. because Jesus says, hey, you can do all of these things and not know me. Mm. So in the Sermon on the Mount, he's teaching us 
to have fruit. Like, we want to be able to distinguish people's spiritual gifts from the fruit of the Spirit because they are not the same thing. And we can get really easily confused and, like, kind of led off track if we look at the giftings and we use the gift as a measure. Jesus is actually saying, hey, don't measure by gift, measure by fruit. Do they have fruit? Do they have the fruit of the Spirit? Do they have love, joy, peace, patience, self-control? Like, all these things, right? Um, so I just, I want to throw that out there because Jesus actually breaks down for us in the Sermon on the Mount what he deems great. And so that's something that we should use not only to evaluate our own lives, but to evaluate others around us and to, to hold that same standard that, that we will be measured by. Firmness. The Sermon on the Mount ends with this. It says, so in Matthew chapter 7, if you guys have your Bibles, feel free to turn to Matthew 7, 24 to 27. At the very, very tail end of the Sermon on the Mount. But Jesus sums up everything that he shares with this. So this is kind of a spoiler alert, but we're skipping to the end so we know like how to view it rightly when we read the rest of it. it says, so everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a sensible man who built his house on bedrock. The rain fell, the rivers flooded, the winds blew and beat against that house, but it didn't collapse because its foundation was on rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a stupid man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the rivers flooded, and the wind blew and beat against that house and it collapsed. And its collapse was horrendous. This is like Jesus' way of bringing everything that he shares to a close. He says, hey, if you hear this and you do it, when floods come, you're going to be okay. But if you don't do this, when floods come, you're going to be utterly destroyed. And so this is something that, like, it's not like a nice thing. They're like, oh, okay, we can listen to that and hear about it. Like, this is something that Jesus makes very clear. Like, this is meant not to just be listened to, but to be done. And we cannot afford not to do it. Because... There's not like a third option. Like there's the guy that built wisely and the guy that built on sand, right? But both of them, the flood was coming for both. The rain was coming for both, right? And many of us can look out at the current climate of our culture and we see storms like brewing on the horizon. We know there is testing coming. Um, so we have to take seriously like God's encouragement to heed these commandments of his because when we do it faithfully over time, we're building on a rock so that we will not be shaken in that day. Um, so I now want to just touch on three things for how, um, just practically, like how do we live out the Sermon on the Mount as we study this? Um, the first aspect is it has to be done in community. We're not meant to live this out alone. The, there's so much of the commandments that Jesus gives in Matthew 5, 6, or 7, like a lot of them are personal in terms of like, hey, like, don't be anxious. 
but a lot of them are relational. Like, hey, if you got a beef with your brother, like, knock it off, go resolve it, and then come leave your gift at the altar, right? Like, a lot of what he is about to tell us, it is applicable in the context of community when you're walking with other people. Um, the second thing is we do this by doing it consistently. Like, this isn't something that we get to do when we feel like it, but it's something that, like, we grow in when we do it consistently. And we'll talk about that. And the last element of it is that we have to do it in communion with the Holy Spirit. Because at the end of the day, like, this book is hard on your flesh. Mm-hmm. Like, if, you're, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, the whole thing, 5, 6, and 7, and something inside of you doesn't go, oh, that's hard. Like, what do you mean, like... If, you know, if your enemy, like, slaps you on the cheek, give him the other cheek. Like, if, if, you, if you don't read it and think it's hard, like, I would encourage you, like, read it again. Because this is totally in opposition to our flesh. The only way to do this successfully is by the Spirit. It's the only way. So community. Um, I love how First John, like, just challenges us. And it says, hey, you think you love God? Make sure you love your brother, because if you don't love your brother, I'm telling you, you actually really don't love God as much as you think. I am. So I like to run, but most of the time when I run, I run by myself. And I like I have an Apple Watch, so I'm kind of like sometimes I'll be like glance down and be like looking at my time, and I'm like, oh, I'm kind of going kind of slow. But I run by feel, and so I'm like, yeah, this feels this feels okay to me. I don't know if I'm actually going to push it much faster than this, but. If you guys, has anybody ever run in a race, like marathon or half marathon or glory? Okay. So there's people sometimes in big races, they have these people that are pacers and they'll, they have like a time listed on them. So, you know, okay, if I'm running at the same pace as this person, I'm doing 10 minute mile. Oh, this person's doing a seven minute mile. This person's doing, you know, whatever, like they'll, they have pacers so you can compare yourself and realize, Ooh, I got to speed it up a little bit. When we love the Lord by feel, mm, that's good. right? That's good. If we're like, I feel like I really love God. I'm sure you do feel like you really love God. Like, <laughs> praise God. Like, thank you. Like, but sometimes, unless we have something measurable next to us, then we might feel like we're going a whole lot faster than we really are. That's good. I still, like, praise God for people like Priscilla who, like, call out my sin and are like, hey, did you know you're actually being super selfish right now? And I'm like, oh, you're right. <laughs> like, if, if we don't walk and run with other people, like, we have no one pacing us to say, hey, you need to, like, get it together, man. Like, you're going really slow. So this has to be lived out in the context of community. Christian community. The second element of it is consistency. Last night we did a birthday blessings for Daniel and for Mitch and uh, Derek. So Derek, if you guys know Derek, Derek is like used to be super super skinny, like probably like like skinnier than than Daniel skinny right now. And Derek blessed Daniel for his birthday and said, oh, you're so devoted to God. And I sing all these good things about Daniel. And then his hope and his prayer for Daniel for this year is like, eat a lot and gain a lot of muscle like I did. 
that was Derek's blessing for, for Daniel, right? But Derek literally, like, one night, like, one day he, like, walked in. We hadn't seen him in a while. He went from super skinny to all of a sudden, he's super buff. And we're like, what? Like, Derek, what happened? People that, like, like to, like, they're like, oh, yeah, I should go to the gym. If you only go to the gym when you feel like going to the gym, you're not going to actually gain any muscle or lose any fat, right? Like, it has to be a discipline that you practice, like, day in and day out, regardless of what you feel like doing, right? Sermon on the Mount is the same way. Like, sometimes we hear stuff and we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, humility sounds good. Yeah, service sounds good. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Like, I, I, I'd like to go to the gym. If you don't do it, though, when you don't feel like it, like, we don't build those muscles. And these are muscles that take a long time to build. But the blessing of it is that, like, as you, as we stretch ourselves in little ways, when it talks about forgiving others, and, you know, some, I have found over the years that there's stuff for me that used to be so small that I would struggle so hard to forgive. I would struggle with so much bitterness over such a small offense. Mm -hmm. And now, because I've stretched some of those muscles over time, now I'm like, oh yeah, that's actually probably 10 times worse, but it's easier to forgive. Yeah. These are muscles that we build over time and it feels super hard on our flesh at first, but you stick with it and you grow in ways that like, down the line, like somebody's persecuting you and you're like, okay, I bless you, yeah. I bless you. Yeah, I'm going to skip this verse for the sake of time, but this discusses just the idea that we have to sow into the spirit and not into the flesh. And walking out the Sermon on the Mount like it truly is sowing into our spirits and not our flesh. The uh, last aspect of it that I just want to touch on is that we have to do this in communion with God. Right? Um, we can look at the Sermon on the Mount almost from a, like, you could look at it as a non-Christian and be like, yeah, Jesus had some good teachings, like, you know, but this is not just, like, a set of rules that's like, yeah, if you, you know, if you want to be a relatively good person, do this. Like, this is something that is so utterly difficult that you can't do this without him. Like, you can't make your heart not prideful apart from God. Yeah. You can't control your lust or your fear or your anger apart from the Holy Spirit. You can't. Yeah. Um, so Jesus is very clear on this. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Um, and so I just want to leave us with that thought as we get ready to study the Sermon on the Mount. Like, that some of it might seem difficult, but the idea is not that we're meant to do it alone. Like, we're not meant to do it by ourselves in terms of outside of community, but we're also not meant to do it by ourselves in outside of fellowship with God. Like, we cannot do it without Him. So the good news is the Holy Spirit is a very good helper. Um, and He's able to, like, make up for, like, our weakness. He's able to be strong in us in, in, in areas that we're weak. So um, we're going to transition now to uh, just a, a pastor's corner. So, uh, Mama Wan, you can come on up. So, for those of you that this is.
is your first uh, service joining with us. Mama One is our pastor, and so we just want to have a time um, where she is able to share some of her wisdom with us. Uh, she spent many decades walking with and serving the Lord, and so she's got a lot of good stuff for us to glean from. So Joseph's going to be uh, just kind of asking some questions, and uh, we'll hear briefly from her. All right. Becca, thank you so much for sharing uh, yeah. Sermon on the Mount yeah. with us. And uh, yeah, just really struck by um, renewing that reminder um, of the Constitution of the kingdom that we're all part of. So every single person as a, as a Christian believer, um, we're all part of that same kingdom, that same kingdom the disciples belong to, and now kids belong to um, yeah. Jesus. And so um, thanks, Becca. Just really um, encouraged and exhorted and challenged by running again or, or studying again this this, uh, this constitution of this kingdom that we belong to. So, um, Mom, we want to kind of ask you a couple questions about the uh, about the passage to shed your wisdom on it. One of the things um, that Becca talked about, um, you know, is the Beatitudes. <laughs> yes, the Beatitudes. And, um, and the way that we are blessed or we are happy if we do these things that are, that are kind of counterintuitive. Um, counterintuitive in the sense that, like, the meek will inherit the earth or um, being mournful or, um, you know, those who are, are uh, it's kind of this upside down or inside out kingdom. It's not the strong asserting uh, their strength to win, um, but that we'd be happy if we go low and do kind of the lower things or the, um, the mournful things or the, uh, uh, the weaker things. And, uh, and so in that kind of counterintuitive, you know, that the first will be last, the last will be first, what kind of things have you seen um, for Christians that most of all, that we kind of put our happiness in that is um, a distraction. Or what have you think, seen that um, is the biggest pitfall for us as Christians going forward that we think is going to make us happy um, that we end up putting it above above Christ? What have you seen that most people, in the same sort of sense that Beck was talking about building our houses on the rock versus building on the sand, what are some of those sand pitfalls that we think are rocks um, as Christians that you've seen people building, uh, building their, their house on? Thoughts on that? Wow, big question. <laughs> this question is really big. Yeah. Uh, first, I didn't know that today is the pastor's. Uh. <laughs> oh, this is surprising. <laughs> uh, okay. But in regards, yeah, but maybe it's. Uh, in regards to your question, I think uh, we all look at success, how the people look at them we look at. Because uh, every day we encounter with people, so we are very easy to be, uh, made, to be molded into people's idea of success. And, and especially, in, especially in America, you know, you have to be successful. And this dream, American dream, America has a dream. Everybody should have a dream. And that's, the, that's what people say you know, all the time. Yeah. And uh, so we, are, we all, all walk in that, in that big role of uh, uh, going to the big success. In America is a successful country, so we live in this successful country, so we need to be successful. But just like what Rebecca uh, was sharing with us, in the kingdom, in God's kingdom, 
success is not uh, as the same definition as what the worldly people think. In here we say, oh, a person who can get a, be a lawyer and be a doctor, be a, especially Chinese, we all think a lawyer, doctor, that's the best. You know, if your, if your children, your family has one is doctor, one is my, my sister has two, only two sons. Sons, huh? and one son is a lawyer, one son is a medical doctor. Wow, so everybody would, many people ask my, my, my sister, how did you do it? How did you raise <laughs> your, your children to be a doctor and a lawyer? <laughs> so so my, my, my sister has to answer all these questions to, to them. And everybody's thinking, oh, this family is very successful. They came to the United States and they get into top level, top rank of it. And, and, uh, and then uh, if, uh, if uh, and my and then my sister worked in a university and said, wow, professor, you know, and then, wow, this family is just perfect. But you know, yeah, that's how, how people look at us and people just strive to, to try their hard, so hard, you know, to be and the, just like what the most Chinese parents, they push their children that way. And so, you know, end up, many people, many, many children get depressed. <laughs> many, 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 many children, they don't like to be in the, in with parents, in their, with their parents, because their parents push them so hard. They don't like to stay at home because, uh, you know, they, they, so actually, it's not their children's dream, it's their parents' dream. And uh, they just put their dream into the children's, and <laughs> they become a lot of pressure, and the children become so depressed. But in 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 the Bible, the first beatitude is be humble, right? Well, what what is that? Poor in spirit. Chinese叫做虚心，谦卑虚心。yeah, poor in spirit it means you have nothing in the in your spirit. You be humble. You you don't have that kind of a. Um, the more you have, it, people say, "Oh, you are good." But in, in Christ, it's just an opposite. The rule is changing, completely opposite. The less you have, the happier you will be. And uh, I I reveal that. Uh, how can we be less? When we are less, the God's love fills us up. Mm. If we just be less, oh, I don't have anything, I'm poor, I have anything. But then that is, other people think that maybe you are really bad, you are just an outcast person, you know. But if you are really poor in your spirit, you are humble in your and receive God's love, fill you up with a bucket overflow, and I can guarantee you, you will be the happiest one. Yeah. Because you feel with the love, the unchanging love, the love from Jesus Christ, and the truth you want from God. Because God, they like to us, He's the only truth, He's the only way, He's the only life. And if you have all this, and with God's unchanging love, you are the most blessed person. You know, in Chinese, uh, Chinese say, Fu qi yeah, how, Do you know how they write in Fu? 
blessing? Do you know how they write in blessing? How, how the words of blessing? The words of blessing in Chinese is combination of a ga, ga, ga's uh, ga's side, uh, ga is a, a, a ga who is, uh, yeah, it's, it, anyway, it's the sensibian, and then it's one person, and with a, a lamb. That's, that's what Adam was. One person, a call, and I put it in the land, in place that God wanted him to be. And then, to be with God, and in the land, in the place that God wanted him to be. That's the Fuqi, that's the happiness. That's the most happiness. And yeah, we, we Christians have to be turn away our turn away our, 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 our eyes, turn, turn, turn our eyes towards God, not towards people yeah. or the human world. Because very easily, if you just turn to people, the people, you look at the people's sister, and when you are not successful as what they are standing, you will be feel so sad and be feel so, so down because uh, you are not in their standard, and people look down at you too. Uh, but if you turn your eyes to God and know that the most happy one is to be with God, and in a place that God won't design, design for you, in a position that God designed for you, that's the best. Amen. Yeah, that's the best. That's a really good answer. Thanks, Mom. Yeah, the, the, that's um, the, the American dream um, that we all want, uh, or that a lot of people want, um, doesn't um, guarantee our happiness, especially I think when those storms and storms come. Yeah. Um, so, so even as Christians living in America, I think. Um, I think that's a great example of how we were just talking about being the, the, the Sermon on the Mount being the constitution of the kingdom of Christ to which we belong, and which we are citizens of first, before we're citizens of, of the U.S. kingdom, which you said is it's built on these dreams that are not necessarily bad things, but we put our hope on them. They're sand. The house yeah. building on sand. Okay. Yeah, Amen. That's a great answer. Um, last kind of quick question. Um, Becca talked about living it out. So living it out. Um, and... Uh, community, consistency, and communion. Um, what kind of practicals do you have for people to, uh, to live consistently, to live consistently? Um, what do you, kind of things do you practice? I've seen you practice a lot of things consistently. Um, what would you, you know, what do you, what wisdom do you have to offer to everybody about the, just practical habits that you have consistently um, living with the Lord? Uh, I think uh, uh, for Christian, you can just start to practice by consistently come to Sunday service. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and for you? I felt conviction in the room. <laughs> <laughs> always go to church. Always start on Sunday. Always go to church. Yeah. I told you, glory is in place. This, this is what my, my parents told me, and I practiced the art. And I really see the, the blessing. Even, even my children can can even testimony that they every time when we go out to even to go to the some other place, the tourists or tour the other places of my son. If uh, Sunday morning, I try my best to find a church. No matter if that's uh, speaking in in Japanese, in Indian, or in the in the in the other, whatever, whoever. The most important is go to church to worship God. Put God first in everything you do. 
and God will aid it to you. Yeah. And they said, the, if you can practice that, then the rest will be easier. That's a really good answer. It ties into the first thing that um, living it out that I was talking about with community, living it with others. And, uh, I think that's what you shared is so true. I remember certain big vacations, we'd be out in the middle of nowhere. We'd end up going to like some like small Baptist church in the middle of like Tennessee or something with like you know people that never maybe even met an Asian person. <laughs> we'd have pointed with some really random churches out there, but um, but uh, but praise God! I think um, what a blessing to also see and uh, see the other parts of the body. That even we may not um, feel comfortable with, but that God is worthy of that consistent time. I think that ties into what Becca was talking about too, about how uh, the Christian walk is it's just like going running or, or working out. You know, if you just do it haphazardly or once in a while, which I know very well, um, <laughs> you're not consistent with it, um, there is no fruit. So that's, that's great wisdom. Thanks, Mom. Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing that. So. Alright, so we're, um, we're going to just transition into a response time now um, and just kind of take everything to the Lord in prayer. Um, so there's two things that I just kind of felt like highlighted to, to pray for. Um, 